Hello and welcome back to another episode of Eyes in Region. Today I have Dr. Neil Sinclair joining us all the way from Bunbury in Western Australia. He is a paediatric ophthalmologist and oculoplastic surgeon. Uh, Neil Sinclair, thank you very much for making the time this morning all the way from Basilton to uh, join me for this very first series of Eyes in Region. How is the weather looking like there? Um, yeah, it's sunny as usual. Um, it, it's often quite sunny here, even in winter. So we have a uh, we have um, Bunbury has been reported as having one of the best climates in Australia. But it's um, but yeah, no, it's a lovely morning this morning. Well, that's a pretty good start, Neil. Um, you originally hail from the beautiful United Kingdom, mm. and now the cold United Kingdom. <laughs> well, not <laughs> cold at the moment. They're very warm at the moment. So <laughs> that's right, but. Uh, <laughs> How have you made your journey here from uh, your days as a fellow in uh, Southampton? So um, I, I did my early training. I was at medical school at the Royal Free in London and did my um, registrar, my, my, my um, senior house officer training at, uh, at, at the Royal Free. Um, I'm originally from a town called Bedford, which is just north of um, London. And um, we started our family there. And then um, after I finished the SHA rotation, I, I got onto the specialist registrar training program at Southampton, um, uh, probably in around about 2002, and um, did my four and a half year training program there. Whilst I was there, I did uh, two fellowship training opportunities, which was uh, the first was doing paediatrics with James Elder in Melbourne. And it was really during that time that we decided to move to Australia. Um, but it's interesting during that time, we, we were offered various jobs in Melbourne, but it's interesting how much Australians don't understand what it means for an overseas trained doctor to come here. And the processes that you have to go through, it is quite rigorous. Um, and then we went back to the UK, did an oculoplastic fellowship for, for 12 months. And during that period, the job came up in Bunbury and that's, that's when we came over and I've been here for about 14 years now. Um, so even though life was fairly hectic when I was training, um, it's been pretty consistent for the last 14 years. So was there an opportunity for you to pursue um, a career in Melbourne? Because at that time, I'm sure you would have been quite in demand um, for paediatric ophthalmology at the Royal Children's so, so the, the answer is yes, and I'd, I'd gone back to the UK to do plastics because there, there was a gap there, but that gap was filled when I was away, and the, the opportunities there are limited. Um, so you're, you're limited very much into your subspecialty, and therefore financially, you know, that, that can be interesting, and also professionally because you're limited to just doing paediatrics, really, and I had done, you know, all my other training and was keen to be... A bit more general than that so when the job came up in Bunbury for me it was a bit of a no-brainer really because here I'm free spirit and get to do lots of things and we're also fairly close to Perth so I still have a teaching hospital appointment so I still work at Perth Children's Hospital once a month so I still do um, complex paediatric plastics and uh, um, with a fairly large population so it kind of covers all bases really you know if you if you want to do a bit of general ophthalmology obviously have the financial recompense from that and be able to still stimulate yourself with challenging work you know you can still do that so tell me what does a typical day look like for you uh, i know you're getting ready to go in today busy <laughs> busy busy that, that, that's a good start <laughs> yeah. so it's um it's generally pretty busy so we um we, we would i would generally see you know um between 
17 and 22 patients in the mornings, depending on how the morning's going. Um, I operate, um, probably I do 10 sessions a month operating, no, 11 with, with the children's. Um, so I do, it's fairly operating heavy for ophthalmology. Um, and uh, I do one minor op session a month. Um, but that's building because we've recently had the other plastic surgeon, ocular plastic surgeon that used to live here is retired. So that's become much busier. Um, I do two big injection clinics a month. Um, again, they, they, they're probably now up to about 40 patients in a session um, because they're a bit quicker. And um, so, so it's either, you know, a, a, a general clinic, a specialist paediatric clinic, a theatre list, an injection clinic or a minor ops list. And it's and you know we're we're on a four week road to like most people are and um and uh, and so so the weeks are pretty much set out, and I'm probably booked out now, probably six months ahead in just about everything um a, a year publicly, for for public access theatres and um and um and six months privately. So is there a public VMO position that you hold as well in Basselton? So, so basically, we we work in the southwest. So, so the 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 area that we serve is 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 the southwest of Western Australia, and and that's that's um governed by the West Australian Country Health Service. Um, the West Australian Country Health Service we, we run a completely private practice, but the West Australian Country Health Service provide three services for the local population. They provide emergency ophthalmic services through the emergency departments in both Bustleton and Bunbury. Um, they they um, provide um, support for the registrar. We have one training position down here, which is an STP funded training post, and they provide theatre sessions, which are fee for service. Um, so patients who are uninsured um, can access those public operating lists through us through the private rooms. Okay, that's that's a similar model, I think, that um, operates to some degree in parts of Queensland, at least prior to COVID, uh, but unfortunately didn't get reinstated, certainly not in far north Queensland, where I used to work. Um, what are the most uh, challenging aspects you feel about being in region? You know, your background was in paediatrics and plastics, but it sounds like you're doing everything out there, Neil. Uh, I do a little bit of everything. I mean, I, I would like not to do the medical retina, but there's no choice. Um, um, I don't do glaucoma. Um, I, I suppose it's just time management, really. I mean, we've recently appointed an optometrist to do our, all our chronic disease management. Um, so he's doing all our glaucoma and, and diabetes. And when I say diabetes, I don't mean diabetic retinal screening. I mean diabetics have active diabetic retinopathy, and he just involves us when, when they require treatment. Um, so, so the challenges are trying to control the workload. We, we've historically had five ophthalmologists down here. The population is about 180 to 200,000, depending on where you draw the lines. And um, we've recently had one ophthalmologist retire. And post-COVID, like everybody else, we've just got very, very busy. Um, so it's time management is the major issue. Um, and uh, yeah, and that, that's, that's ongoing. That's part of the reason I'm doing the podcast. Well, you've adopted a collaborative um, model in your practice, which is, again, something quite uh, commonly practiced in region. And how do you think that has helped your workflow? Um, it's, it's, a, it, it, it's a very useful thing to be able to do costs, but it can commonly lead to conflict. 
and um and and you know so so we we had a split in our practice when i first came here but we've been in the same practice now for 11 years and, and all the, the current guys that we're with get on so there are advantages and disadvantages there are great advantages from cost sharing you don't need to buy you don't need to replicate the the all the instrumentation three times for each individual doctor um and um you know and and all the building costs so so it's a very cost effective way of doing it but you, you do have to have the ability to to share with colleagues and um and that's not always a, you know forthcoming attribute in all of us yes uh, i couldn't agree more uh, you really do have to find like-minded like-minded people sorry to to practice with and to see you through the next 20 years because certainly you you may not necessarily consider that when you first start out. And there's a real pearl I got from my mentors when I was training um, at my fellowship. Now, your family's made this move from the UK to Basilton. What do they think about it and, and how have they adapted to it? Because that's one of the barriers, I think, in, in uh, accessing specialists in region is, is uh, what do the families have to do there? Uh, well, so so this is. I mean, it's it's all the issue really. It's it's everything, you know. And you know, I think if your partner isn't willing to come, then then it's just not going to happen. And I think that's part of the limiting factors. I think you know, people who do medicine are so involved in education. They're basically institutionalised their entire lives. They go straight from one institution to the next institution to the next institution. That without institutions, they find it very difficult. And um and 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 so. And, and I think that's what makes attracting um, people to regional areas so difficult. Um, you know, I, I know there's a, a great move by very, very good people within the college trying to tackle this problem. Angus Turner being, you know, one of those. Um, but there's a there's a, a you know big move from Ransco to introduce a rural training program. And I, I, I you know, and I think if people train and meet their partners um, whilst training rurally they're more likely to stay rural. Um, we have a, a rural medical school down here now um, uh, with permanent places. So people do all their medical school rurally and that there is a big move to do that. And I, and, and I think that will go some way to curing the problem. The other issue, the other major issue is the exclusiveness of, of, of the qualification. Um, when I came, um, our training was deemed ostensibly similar and um and uh and we were given ransco without having to take an exam that that ability to do that i think was stopped in about 2011 and it's a huge barrier to well qualified ophthalmologists coming to australia and therefore being able to recruit people rurally um um you know so i i i don't know i, I you know i'm not party to whether um that that is due for change but but you know it would be interesting to see that that would probably have a major impact on the ability to recruit um in, in the country three three out of the out of the five ophthalmologists here are, are overseas trained and um you in particular i see you have a love for kite surfing um, and biking you're quite outdoorsy um is that passion shared by your family what are the the attractions of the area, tell me. Well, I think probably the biggest attraction is the 35 second commute to work. So I will leave <laughs> my first patient booked at 
quarter past eight, I will leave at, um, uh, at, at 12 minutes past eight and be early. Um, so, um, uh, is uh, that the, on the, your me the, my mechanical scooter? Uh, <laughs> and still drive, but an electric motorized car. Rather, so kind of, sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I feel, I feel slightly, you know, sun powered, <laughs> sun powered. Um, uh, but, um, but, but I mean, I could walk to work and, um, and, and the theatres are the same. Everything's close by. Um, uh, the fee for service aspect of it means that it's well remunerated. Um, so you, you have really no commute. You're well, well um, paid. Um, you have access to everything down here. We're 30 minutes from Margaret River and Augusta. And um, so I can kite surf basically almost anywhere around here. We, I have recently at the age of 54 decided that riding enduro um, motorbikes would be a sensible thing to do so I've recently bought one of those and um, we mountain bike locally um, uh, I we I play golf I you know I'm, I spend a lot of time outdoors I should spend more time reading but I don't and, um, and and if you're that kind of individual being in a place like this is just sensational and the kids have enjoyed it from that point of view as well you know that we've all been the outdoorsy and um and and socially these towns are really good you know we've um we've really settled in easily it's been very easy to meet people uh, the community was was very welcoming for us and we've we've made good solid friends very quickly and of course we've been here for 14 years now so it's home now so it's um you know we belong <laughs> it sounds like there's a great sense of community which is uh, something that um you know frequently follows through in a lot of regional areas um, even though you don't have necessarily family members there I think eventually the town ends up becoming your family would you mm. agree on that sentiment I, I do I do and, and it's um it's, it's it's it very much becomes like I'm the president of a rotary club which is quite an old-fashioned thing to do but but um but it's it's um you know rotary clubs in in, in or you know any kind of service entities you know in rural areas are, are still very important because you know they still service the local community because um because you know sometimes you know local government isn't able to do that and there is still that that strong sense of community in these areas so look the uh role of uh, the australian and new zealand ophthalmic community will be descending upon perth shortly um, and with you being in close proximity, what would you like to say to any fellows considering uh, trying out a, a locum in Bustleton or uh, pending a more long-term stint? Um, so they would always be welcome to Bunbury and Bustleton. It, it, you know, it would, it would um, you know, come on in, come and have a go. It's, um, it's, 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 a, it's a great place to live and work. We've recently had one consultant retire from the other practice and I know that they're looking for a placement for 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 that individual um one of my colleagues is due to retire in the next probably two years um both myself and Russell Townsend are um you know Russ is in his early 50s I'm 54 you know so it's um you know there are there's 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 work available here it's a nice place to live you know it's um it's uh, I, I would I would definitely advise it and professionally you know, you, you you pretty much have free range, um, which means that you can make professional decisions about what you like to do. And when things become a little bit too complicated, Perth is only two hours up the road and you don't have to stretch yourself if you don't feel the need, you know. And um, so so it's professionally, it's a very, very comfortable place to work. You can you can 
do as much or as little as you choose. Yes, um, some very, very good points there, Neil. Look, thank you so much for joining me. I'm sure you're going to head off to another busy day um, on that motorized scooter you do not have yet, but uh, look forward to uh, chatting in person soon. Thanks. Neil. Yes, well, we'll probably catch up in Perth, I would imagine. See you then. Thank you for listening and please stay tuned for our next exciting speaker joining us in Eisen region.